Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance designed to help you reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you're invited to a free event this month at our church in Corona. Pastor Michael and guest speaker Dr. J.P. Moreland will talk about how you can biblically tackle the issues of depression, anxiety, mental illness, and more. Learn more and register for the free event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in the beginning of his message in Revelation chapter 20 about the millennial reign of Christ. We are in Revelation 20 tonight. We're looking at the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Revelation is the last book of your Bible, Revelation chapter 20. If you're new to joining us tonight, welcome. We are going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. We've come to chapter 20, which is, scholars would call, one of the most debated chapters in all the Bible. The reason that it's debated is over this issue of what we call the millennium. Not the millennium falcon, as some of you, Star Wars, I don't know if he was called that, but anyway. But, but what we're talking about here is a thousand year period of time. Millennium means 1,000. The Bible teaches a golden age all throughout the Old Testament, an age where famously, some of you have heard, the lion and the lamb will be together, but that's actually not accurate to the text. Actually, what it shows is a wolf and a lamb lying together. I'll show you some of those passages in a moment. The wolf is the ancient predator of the lamb, So the message of the millennial kingdom or the golden age is that it will be a time when ancient struggles cease, when war is learned no more, when the battle finally is over. And you know, when the Bible opens in Genesis 3 and the serpent comes in and lies to our first parents and sin and death enter into the world, The rest of the Bible seems like this endless cycle of war and struggle and lost opportunity and difficulty. And, you know, we get born into this world, and when we're children, the world can be a very delightful place, uh, largely because we're ignorant to some things, and I think that that's wonderful, and that's the way we should keep it. And then we grow older and we look at the world and we can see very clearly, no matter what the pundits of this age want to tell you, there is good and there is evil. There is light and there is darkness. And one day, the struggle that we've all been embroiled in to whatever degree you find yourself in that battle, one day that battle, that war will cease. It will end. For the Christian, we can say the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. It's his, not mine. But I still ha- I find myself fighting. I want to fight the good fight of faith. But one day the battle will be over. One day there will be a millennial reign of Jesus Christ. One day we will have the ultimate ruler. And he is called the Prince of Peace. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The only place in all the Bible where you you will find a reference to a thousand years is in Revelation 20. 
For those of you who are taking notes with us, it's listed six times in this one chapter. There is no other place where there is a mention of a thousand-year reign of Christ. The concept is there. The time is not there. And so there are three major positions on the millennium. One is called premillennialism. Premillennialism simply means that you believe that before the thousand-year reign of Christ commences or begins, Christ will return. If you believe Christ returns before the thousand years, you are pre-millennial. There are post-millennialists. If you're post-millennial, you believe that Jesus Christ returns after the thousand years. And so in a post-millennial camp, they believe that somehow we are in the thousand years now and the church is going to make great inroads in the world preach the gospel to all nations, and some of these views, including all millennialism, believe that Satan is in some way today even chained. In what respect? Well, he doesn't have the same amount of influence that he had before the cross. So that they make the, the distinction that when Jesus died on the cross, the strong man was in some ways bound, and they see the strong man as Satan, and so his nefarious activities and his uh, you know, uh, deception of the nations has been largely curtailed in that view. And then there is what's called an amillennial position. Ah, uh, or A cancels out millennial, so they believe there's no millennium. Or they would say it's just simply a symbolic period of time. And then there's some versions of these views that kind of have a little bit of both, that they believe it's a period of time but the number is symbolic. So it's not literally 1,000. 1,000 could simply, in their view, be a long period of time, but not necessarily 1,000 years. And so this is where the main parts of the debate occur. But as we take a peek at Revelation 20, we'll see uh, that there's no doubt that this is mentioned a number of times. Now, before we get into it, let's pray, and then I'm gonna show you a few verses from Isaiah. Father, as we uh, get into your word now, thank you for the reality that Christ will rule and reign from Jerusalem. The greater David will take the throne of David and he will rule, and he will rule with a rod of iron and he will rule in righteousness. And we're so grateful that we are going to be part of that kingdom. We already are. It is our future and it's incredible to think about this reality, Lord. And I pray that you would thrill our hearts with the reality that you would encourage us in days that are not so sweet and maybe not full of light, that this is our future. And I pray that you will take this study where you want it to go and do a fresh work in the hearts of your people and those who don't know you yet, they would come to know that hope and that peace in Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen, amen. I was reading commentary and if you turn to the book of Isaiah uh, this week, from a man who talked about a camp that he had experienced as a young teenager and young adult. I don't remember the name of the camp, but he described the camp as a delightful place led by a delightful man, a place that you could kind of get away. It was up in the mountains. There was a lake there. You could see the stars there. And multitudes of Christians, teenagers, and young adults would descend upon this camp, and they would enjoy zip lining and uh, basketball and fun on the lake and they would 
light a campfire at night and they would sing songs to the Lord and people would get right with God and people would encourage one another. And he said it was in many ways an oasis in his life. And he said the, the attitude of the camp largely kind of descended from the leader of the camp. He was a very joyful individual. He wasn't cynical. He didn't speak uh, nasty things about other people. And he said that whenever he went to the camp, whether as a kid or ultimately serving, it was such a beautiful place. He said, if you even spoke a cross word about somebody, it was almost unacceptable there. There was just such a different vibe there. And he said, for him, thinking back to this uh, time in his life, it's the closest view he could ever get to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you have a place like that, a time in your life like that, where you know, there was that kind of setting. But that is just a small taste of what's ahead. Isaiah uh, is the book I've asked you to turn to. I'm going to show you just a few passage that paint, passages that paint this picture of this coming rule of Christ. Isaiah 2, verse 2 says, Now, Isaiah 2, 2, It will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established, Isaiah 2, 2, as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war. The last time I checked, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 9, The statistic I saw is that there's over 100 wars going on in the world right now. Not only are there wars and skirmishes and people who practice genocide, but there are people who sit at their desks and claim to have, you know, a button that they can push to obliterate people. And uh, whatever their motivations may be, whatever their reasons are for making their threats, whether they think it's for self-preservation or for purposes of power. It doesn't do a whole lot to the peace that earth, I think, and the people of earth desire. Isaiah prophesies a coming one who will be born. Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Isaiah 9, 6, mighty God, eternal father, prince, the Hebrew word is sar. It means the ruler, the leader, the chief of peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That was written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, that he would be one who would ultimately rule on the throne of David. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment, but now we would like to invite you and your family to our free 633 event on Sunday, September 29th. 
If you suffer from depression, anxiety, mental illness, or know someone who does, come and listen to Pastor Michael's guest speaker, Dr. J.P. Moreland, author of Finding Quiet, for guidance and encouragement to overcome these issues. Dr. J.P. Moreland will reveal his extended battle with debilitating anxiety and depression while pointing you towards sound sources of information, treatment, and recovery. Afterwards, he and Pastor Michael will take questions from the audience. But space is limited, so please let us know if you're coming to this free 633 event. Register online at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. The statistic I saw is that there's over 100 wars going on in the world right now. Not only are there wars and skirmishes and people who practice genocide, but there are people who sit at their desks and claim to have you know, a button that they can push to obliterate people and... Uh, Whatever their motivations may be, whatever their reasons are for making their threats, whether they think it's for self-preservation or for purposes of power, it doesn't do a whole lot to the peace that earth, I think, and the people of earth desire. Isaiah prophesies a coming one who will be born. Isaiah 9, 6, a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Isaiah 9, 6, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince, the Hebrew word is Sar. It means the ruler, the leader, the chief of peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. That was written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem that he would be one who would ultimately rule on the throne of David. Isaiah 11, a few chapters to the right, gives us this picture of this coming kingdom. After it paints the picture of the Messiah and how he will rule in righteousness, it says, Isaiah eleven six. The wolf will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the kid or the goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. The cow, also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The animal kingdom will no longer be ferocious or carnivorous. The nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And then finally, all the way to the end of Isaiah, if you go to 65, Isaiah 65, 
Isaiah is talking to us about the end of the age in the new heavens and new earth. Isaiah 65, in verse 17, he says these words. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things, 65, 17, shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and her people for gladness. I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. And there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying, which has sadly filled Jerusalem over the years multiple times. Skip down to 23. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they are the offspring of those blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. It will also come to pass before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. And the wolf and the lamb shall graze together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's food. And they shall do no evil or harm in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. There are other passages I could show you, but this is the character of that coming kingdom. It's a character of peace. It's a, it's a place of peace. It's something that the world longs for, but we can't seem to get it right. We just can't seem to find the ways of peace. Why is that? Well, it's because of sin. It's because of selfishness. It's because we have our agendas. Man really from the fall has done this to himself. And the end of the story, the judgment of God, the thousand-year reign of Christ, is found in Revelation 20. It will continue in the next few chapters, but here's how John paints it. I saw an angel coming down, Revelation 20, verse 1, from heaven, having the key of the abyss or the bottomless pit, and a great chain is in his hand. Now, this angel is not called a strong angel. It's just an angel we don't know if this is Michael. We don't know which angel this is, but he is coming down out of heaven and he has some implements. He has a key, the key of the abyss or the bottomless pit, and he has a great chain in his hand. And he is about to chain the enemy of our souls and his name is Satan. And again, in the book of Revelation, we have to remember that we are dealing with uh, symbolic imagery we are not to take everything in a wooden literal sense so do i think an angel is coming down with an enormous literal chain i don't think so i think this imagery is painting what god will do to satan right now the bible tells us that there are certain angels who left their proper abode who are imprisoned or incarcerated in some way does god need a chain to hold them I don't think so, because remember, angels are non-corporeal. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? Here's what I mean. They don't really have a body. So how do you chain a spirit? If you've got any insight on that, email me. I'd like to know what properties you would use for that. But the, the lesson is nonetheless the same, that a chain and a key has been given to this angel, and he's going to come down and he's going to do some business, and he's going to do that business with Satan. I mentioned to you that some people who have different views of Revelation 20 believe that Satan in some way is already bound, 
They believe that his activity has been curtailed or limited in some way. How they come to that conclusion, I do not know. Because that's not what I see in the Bible. I see the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 express concern for the Corinthian congregation. Just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's craftiness, I am fearful that you will be deceived by that same serpent. He he, uh, shrouds himself as an angel of light. Even in the New Testament, Paul says that Satan thwarted us. There were things going on that were satanically energized. 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan goes about like a what? Roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Doesn't sound like a chain to me. If it is, it's a long chain. In the book of Job, Satan appears before the Lord and there's a dialogue that goes back and forth. And basically, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Satan is still active from my read of the New Testament. I don't think he's been curtailed in his activities, although everything he does is still ultimately under the sovereignty of God. In that sense, he's on a chain. Everybody understand what I'm saying? God must allow what he does. God is ultimately sovereign, but still Satan is actively on the hunt. And he's been destroying lives for as long as really we can remember back to the fall. If you parked for a second and tried to think about the untold damage that he has done to lives, I don't think words could do it justice. Every time someone dies, I was just talking to a sweet sister in the congregation. She was recalling a memorial service for her father. She knew that her father knew the Lord. She knew where her dad was. But in another sense, she said, you know, every time somebody dies, it's almost like Satan is laughing. Are you sick of that? I'm sick of it. I'm sick of watching people who I love and you know, looking around at a disease-ridden world in many respects, looking at death, and him who had the power of death is Satan, according to Hebrews chapter 2. And people live in fear of death. Ephesians 6 says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may take your stand against what? The schemes of the devil. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, don't be ignorant of his schemes. Does it sound to you like the devil's incarcerated? I don't think so. Now I'm making the point because there are some, if you read on this, who are going to say, well, the one thing he can't really do anymore is lie to the nations. Well, I see nations in total darkness today. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part one of his message in Revelation 20 about the millennial reign of Christ. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But everyone here at Walk in Truth truly appreciates the financial contributions that listeners have been giving to this ministry in the past couple weeks. There's a lot that goes into the production of this program. Paying for airtime is a large portion. But then there's studio time, editing, our website, and of course the small staff we have. Please consider Walk in Truth. 
you can visit walkintruth.com to donate online. That's walkintruth.com. Or if you'd like to mail in your donation, please make your check or money order out to Walk in Truth. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. That's P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, friend, I'd like to invite you out to our Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I have the privilege and honor of serving as senior pastor. We're teaching through the book of Job, and we've called the series, The Problem of Evil and the Power of the Gospel. You know, one thing we've discovered in the book is something called redemptive suffering. The book of Job actually is foreshadowing the greater Job, Jesus, the ultimate innocent sufferer. And the only way the book of Job really makes sense is by looking at the cross of Jesus Christ. And really, when we think about life itself and just everything that we face in the world, we find our answers in the cross of Jesus and, of course, in the empty tomb, his triumphant resurrection. Now, we're delving into the idea of the problem of evil, you know, suffering we face in the the world, but it's answered by the power of the gospel. Love for you to come out. The address is 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. You can get information and directions when you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store. Just look for the red logo with the pillars. We'd love for you to come out for our midweek service, 7 p.m. at Living Truth. We'll see you here. Join us tomorrow to hear part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation chapter 20, the millennial reign of Christ. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.